0: Ciao. Ciao.
1: Chazar a fever it turns mom into a killer try to understand all you ever really wanted was laughter and Because you're a woman Marry her, she'll feel neglected Because you're a woman Flirt a little and you'll get hurt Because you're a woman Woman wants to be a lover Because she's a woman Do you know
2: and Chris Ciao ciao everybody. Welcome to Jalo Chow Chow, the all-Jalo show. And this, hello. Hello. Hi. Hello, and welcome to Jalo Phone. <laughs>
3: Look at us dancing.
2: Look at us dancing. Doot, 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 doot. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's sun
4: all on show. your body little kid I'm with umbrellas standing
2: on beaches <laughs> sitting with cars and talking about haircuts
4: i'm salvador
3: Dali's muse <laughs> i dated david bowie
2: Ooh should we there? just do this for two yeah, hours? I kind of would like to, to be honest. I've had enough coffee, but... Um, so, th- what episode is this? This is 22, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Have we only done 22 episodes of this fucking show? I know, oh. it feels... God, great. it feels like we've been doing it for a long time. That's what she <laughs> said. Oh, um, It's depressing. Yeah. No, this is great. I'm very excited. You I know. You could tell, all of us sound very exciting. So, well, it's, yes. because we're recording on an odd night. <clears throat> that's what it is. I, I'm not very much of a Thursday recorder here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever recorded on a Thursday. Gosh, if this was the 80s, we would be missing the Cosby Show and Cheers. I know. Maybe the oh, second man. season of Seinfeld at 9.30. Yeah,
4: we'll we'll catch
3: it it. over the next twenty
4: years. Yeah, I don't, I I don't remember what used to be on Thursdays. I guess besides the different world was in between Cosby Show and Cheers. Ugh, that was a terrible show.
2: I know my parents love me. (laughs) 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 alright Wow. And we're out of the time machine, and we're back in normal stuff now.
4: That's all the time we have for everyone. Yeah,
2: we are going to get in our rocket ship and shuttle our way over to the Sydney Opera House. Not to see an opera, but just to walk across the water from it, repeatedly. (laughs) And sometimes very slowly. Today, we are doing the Pajama Girl case, or the girl in the yellow pajamas, or pajamas. Pajamas.
0: Pijamma.
2: Pijamma.
3: Pijamma.
2: Yes. Get it right. The girls, For our
3: Arab listeners.
2: Skanky PJs. Um,
3: and we're going to keep getting wind or our hair in our face because of the wind.
2: You know what, though? I'm going to just come right out and say it. I did not mind watching her knotted hair blow across her face the whole time. I did not that, either. Yeah. Because
4: it looked like
3: a butthole? No. Um, Oh, you mean you like the face this time? Yeah. Yes, I did too. Delilah is a pretty girl. So all of us agree
2: on the face. Oh yeah. And so. Yeah. And um the fact. stuff under the neck too wasn't that bad.
4: Yeah, I was going to say in fact her fashion sense was pretty awful, but um you know, if we're talking about you know, the great Edwidge and her awesome outfits. Uh Delia What the hell's her name? Delilah, the Lila. Come on, Lila de lazario I mean, you know, I guess it's partially for the time. Was it supposed to be like a,
3: a class thing? Maybe I don't know. She was I... Hanging around with that skeezy professor dude in his swanky upscale Turtlenex. dinner club. Oh
2: my god! Yeah, you, you take a Dutch girl in nineteen seventy seven. You put her in Sydney and you expect her to be super, super fashionable. I don't right. think it's gonna happen. But if you put her 10 years prior, she'd be rocking some gold lame and looking pretty tits, I bet.
0: Hmm.
2: You got a point there, sir. Yeah. 1977, you know. 78 wasn't the apex of fashion. And if you don't believe me, you could watch the Reese Company or the Ropers <laughs> because the ropers were still wearing clothes far into 82, 83 that were, were fashionable in 76 and 77. So, yeah. <laughs> I will always defer to you when it comes to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a good movie-ish. We're going to talk about it right now. Um, do, do we have anything, that, any updates of any kind? chris's power is going to go out at any time now
4: <laughs> yes i'm running on generator power so uh yeah he's, he's actually
2: coming to us from the camper at yeah, the end my, of the film my,
4: my kids are outside turning a crank that's how we're able to ge- power the, uh, the 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 uh, the modem and the um, router so that i can speak to you guys right now so <laughs> nice Old, old-fashioned i like it yeah and they're turning butter too yes we got to earn that 50 cents somehow. I do have, and I shouldn't do this because I'm probably going to end up slaughtering it by reading it impromptu, but I did get an email from our Italian correspondent, <laughs> um, and he didn't, Al, and he didn't um, CC you guys. Um, I'll go ahead and read the email. It's not that long. Um, That's what she said. Ah, Ciao, Chris. In Jallo Chow Chow episode 20, you asked about American influence on Italian cinema. Uh, sorry I took too, so long to address it, but. Um, and he goes on about things that are going on. Uh, at any rate, why. Uh, let's see. Anyway, a while ago I read an article online by a European about just that, but I haven't been able to find it, so I'll send you a link when I do. It began by talking about how America's culture. And history are relatively shallow compared to Europe. And then went into basically, why the hell are we copying their shit anyway? Uh, some factors that were discussed include, American mo- number one, American movies are popular all over the world, so if producers and directors from Europe want to improve their chances of breaking out in the European market, they have to imitate Hollywood. Uh, point number two, likewise, countries that don't speak English... Or to a lesser extent spanish or french have even more limited home market where do they speak italian but italy and where do they speak swedish but sweden a very french movie in a in french from france might get released in in quebec or belgium or switzerland but the rest of the world prefers to not deal with dubbing or subtitles and get a bunch of effing froggy bullshit at the same time (laughs) Uh, point number three, many directors and actors would like to hop into the pond and begin careers in Hollywood. And by imitating American movies, they're basically submitting demos. So, um, that is, uh, kind of, uh, some info from Al Owens, who's our Italian foreign correspondent, uh, not directly from him, but actually quoting an article that he read, uh, about, um, the American influence on Italian cinema, especially, I guess, during the time period that we're covering, uh, I'm sure it's still happening, um, today, but I'm sure back then it was even more, um, obvious that, you know, that, that there's a lot of, uh, you know, copying going on and, and for various reasons. So thank you for that email out. And, um, we look forward to uh reading the article if you can uh find it or maybe i'll maybe i'll do some of my own googling so
2: Al, you're awesome
4: yes the checks in the mail (laughs) the rice checks in the mail yes and chris just (laughs) needs an excuse to google himself speaking of rice yeah You handle this kind of rice around here. Can you put this rice in your mouth and tell me where the hell it's from? (laughs) Give me some rice. Almost raw. I don't even know where I freaking put it. Jesus, (laughs) grimy
2: fucking hell.
4: (laughs) The worst hero in any movie I've ever seen. Oh my gosh.
2: You don't sit with your back
4: to a window. Have a good time. That's my favorite part. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Dude, he probably seriously, as soon as he shut that door, was like, "What the fuck am I doing here? My career yeah. is just—I have no career."
4: And I don't. And I didn't do enough research to find out. I mean, this guy obviously had a career. He's got some sort of notoriety here in in uh, IMDb, but oh, yeah. I have no idea what he's known for.
2: Dial M for murder.
4: Yeah, he's one of those old the lost noir,
3: noir actors. He was like a Paramount guy in the 30s and 40s. Oh, okay. We're talking Ray Milland. Debbie um, does Dallas. Yup.
4: <laughs> Wait. He no. was in Debbie? No. no. <laughs> I'm just fucking around with you
3: guys. No, he did get to that period that all old actors do where it's like... You could see it in their eyes that they have no dignity left, which is kind of sad. But he... I don't know. Maybe we're getting too far ahead of ourselves, but he we really are. took... He was really—he really took on this role with some fervor, I think.
2: With some gusto, is what we like to say back in our day.
3: Mm-hmm. I put my balls on it.
2: <laughs> well, you wouldn't be risking much. <laughs> I like that, one. dude. What's even better than that was the most fashionable person in this whole movie is the weird guy hiding behind the curtains at that dude's house. With his weird Fu Manchu mustache and fucking weird side ponytails. Oh my gosh, that guy was out of control. I was like, what the hell did he even... Okay, we're getting way too ahead of ourselves here. (laughs) So, the Pajama Girl case. When the mutilated corpse of a young woman is found on on an Australian beach, retired detective Thompson, which is funny because I thought the whole time they were saying his name was Tinson. But whatever. Um, involves himself in the investigation but before I'm not retired I'm just taking a break I just need something to do god damn it I just need to grow my flowers
4: I'm tired of spraying my orchids
2: <laughs> That's what she said um,
4: <laughs>
2: But before they can Find the killer The police must first identify the victim Who was this Once beautiful girl Found clad only in Yellow pajajays Why would the authorities put her nude body on public display? What sexual depravity did she endure before her murder? And even if Thompson can crack the baffling case, will he survive to see her killer be brought to justice? I call spoiler. And um, that is the back of the Blue Underground DVD for it um imdb gave this movie a 6.0 which i thought was relatively high but not too high um chris why don't you share what the Jalo score for this film got
4: the Jalo score got a pathetic 54 for the pajama girl case mm-hmm. um, primarily due to the fact that you know the staples section which is really the section where the most points could be scored a possible uh, 60 maximum um, we only got th- the film only got 30 points out of 60. Um, so, you know, uh, it's really hard to, it, it, it really takes, um, some, a stretch of the imagination to put this in a category of giallo, but it really depends again on your definition, you know, like Al said, um, the Italians define any sort of thriller where there may be a, a murder involved or a crime committed to be a giallo so in that particular case sure you can call this a giallo it's more of a crime thriller for me uh, as far as i'm concerned and and the score and again i'm you know i'm judge and jury here um (laughs) (laughs) i made up the criteria and then i'm evaluating it against my own made-up criteria so i say the criteria doesn't lie um but yeah you know uh, we don't have um We don't have... Let me just take a look here. We have a hidden identity and an Italian director. We don't have black gloves. We don't have really any amateur detectives. You can't really call... Mm. What's his name? Timpson. Timpson. You really can't call him an amateur detective because he's a retired cop. But Uh, that
2: makes him amateur because he's not professional at that point, right?
4: Yeah, but he was professional at one point. But if I was...
2: A professional wrestler and then I stopped to join the Olympics and was accepted, I would then be considered an amateur wrestler because that's why I was competing in the Olympics.
4: Right, but the idea of the amateur detective is somebody who doesn't yeah, I'm just gonna (laughs) skipping all over all of what you just said. Um it's we're talking about someone who doesn't really have the full resources of the police force at his disposal. So, and we know that Timson Thompson did, um, because he was basically helping out the other two idiots that couldn't do it for themselves. Well, so, would you consider a professional... you want me to give him the five points? No, just I listen, mean... listen, listen. No, I don't, I don't. I'm just asking <laughs> you a question.
2: Would you consider a professional journalist an amateur detective?
4: Would I consider a, uh, what? a professional journalist to be an amateur detective? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Can you give me some context? Cat of Nine Tales.
2: Did they get amateur detective?
4: Yes, but they were
2: professional and they had ties with everybody. They could find anything out they wanted to.
4: Yeah, I guess you're right.
2: I don't want to be. Oh, right. I don't I just want. want to tell me. I don't whatever.
4: want this film to get any more points. This is the only give it points, okay? Creep, come on. I'm just plain devil. Well, and the other, th- I all right. So you know, we could debate over whether there was an amateur detective or not, but I mean, you know, uh, again, um, we we just don't, you just don't have that that typical, you know, thing that we're all kind of used to by now, which is you know, someone gets killed, and the killer is at large, and the killer is shrouded in mystery, and and. Uh, attacks uh, multiple victims, and they're the usually female. In this
2: movie's pretty shit.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you if you count, you know, the girl, and you count uh, Tenzin, um that's it, really.
2: But how many movies do you see the body so many times?
4: That's not on the criteria for points. So yeah, it shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was just saying. Um, I also am curious about eyeball sitting after that long of time. I think oh, that the, Parker, her eyeball?
3: I thought you were talking about the movie. Sorry. But dun, dun, dun,
2: dun, dun. Um, okay. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know. That was all Okay, well, let, let me give you a little bit of plot here in case there are people at home saying, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Um, I can't
4: imagine they are. it's
2: the 22nd time in a row, yes, they uh, have said that. The, the Pajama Girl case uh, is about a body is found on a beach inside a car that has been dumped on the beach that's been dumped on other cars um, and this cop calls this retired detective who was now a uh, floral guy who likes to lightly water flowers to come in and take a look because he knows that the douchebag they put on the case isn't smart enough to crack it he's going so, on vacation too Well, I mean, the whole thing is just a mess. I mean, they've known about the case for about 34 seconds, so they know that they're in way too deep. So he calls Thompson Tinson, whatever his name is, to come down and take a look at a naked girl uh, minus some skin on the face. And um, he's like, please let me be a part of this case. I'm not doing anything and the guy's like, look, you could work on the case, and then he gets this big stupid smile on his face, and he's like, okay, okay, stop talking, I'm gonna go now. And um, he's like, okay, but, you know, you're not getting paid. He's like, yeah, 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 fuck it, I'm gonna go. uh, It's just ridiculous. And so it's like, okay, you're on the case, and then he's like, cool, I'm gonna just leave. I don't need to examine any more evidence, I'm fucking out of here. So that was just kind of silly. So he goes on his own uh journey to try to solve this murder and as he goes on this journey he walks very slowly and throughout the film that has a pretty hefty running time it's over an hour and 40 minutes a good part of it is him walking places very slowly um so there's that now while all of this is going on with our old detective, who's not really a detective, and then the actual cops who are trying to solve the case, we also meet this lovely lady named Linda. And in meeting Linda, we find out about all of her extracurricular activities, which include doing this old guy, doing the Elton John guy from Five Dolls for an August Moon, and then doing this uh, Italian guy named Antonio. So she's doing a lot. She also is a waitress on a paddle boat. Because that's obviously a job that people have. (laughs) You know what? I'm just
3: happy that someone in one of these movies finally had a job. Right? They never have jobs.
2: They're always just lying around, smoking and drinking. I mean, in the last movie, the only jobs the girls have were hand, rim, and blow.
4: (laughs) Dog. (laughs) No, I thought I thought it was the hotel manager had the
2: rim job. Yeah, well, I, it was more of a play on words than actual being factual. No, 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 that was good. Yeah, it was pretty good. I like that. It was good. <laughs> but
4: it, but yeah. I I have to ask: is it is it Linda or Glenda? See, that's another one.
2: I think it has to do with the. the I didn't dub. even know she had her name until halfway through the movie. Yeah, the, the IMDb, dub's messed up.
4: It, IMDB has it as Glenda.
2: Okay, let's say Glenda.
4: But they definitely the the English dub. They definitely call her Linda. Yeah.
2: How about
4: the we reviews? Call her, I'll say Glenda. Let's call her
2: Enda, and then people could just decide what they want to call her.
0: Okay.
2: So Enda. Um, <clears throat> the weird thing about her, for her having a job, she has this weird thing about her. Whenever anyone brings up prostitution, she gets really weird, and kind of at one point refers to herself when she's when she's been with roy and antonio's asking her where she was and um she's like well i saw roy and he was with some girl And the guy's like probably a prostitute and then she looks in the mirror and says yeah well she didn't say any different <laughs> you know and, it, and it's just like wow you got some fucking self-esteem issues girl well anyway <clears throat> so the way this movie set up you're assuming that enda is going to be the next victim of the burn-your-fucking-face-off killer, okay? But then just the movie just keeps fucking going and going and going and going. And pretty soon you start realizing you're like, dude, her life is going so much farther and longer than this fucking case is. And you start noticing some shit. And if you haven't seen the movie, stop listening to this show. Because the only reason why you should watch this movie, in my opinion, is the twist. It's a pretty good twist. So while the cops are trying to figure out grains of rice and all this other shit, the stupid cop is like, I'm going to put the naked woman in a fucking box of formaldehyde and put her in the library and let everyone in Sydney come look at her naked body and try to identify her. Um, and at the end that didn't do a goddamn thing. No, it just got a bunch of perverts to come out and make things out. worse. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a while here, but, um, I'm going to completely ruin the movie now. Um, it turns out that the way this movie, the story was told, Oh, by the way, the guy that talks like this dies an hour into the movie
3: <laughs> and but he knows he knows. He's going to go see the killer and that night. here's another thing
2: that's fucking a little bit weird about this movie. All of a sudden, he knows who did it. And usually when you're following the detective around or something, you find his clues with him and you know what he's thinking kind of thing because the movie's being told from his point of view. The only time it doesn't do this is when there's a moment where he's going to stand up in front of a room full of people and explain who the killer is at that point. He didn't get a chance to do this in this. He went to go meet a killer, got hit by a car and shot, and then um, very unceremoniously died under a tractor trailer. Um, and so we never really got to find anything out until very much later, because then the movie cuts from him and goes to the Inda, her fucking weird life, having a miscarriage and hating her husband and running away and feeling like shit selling herself to a group of really gnarly kabarlies and getting the good old and out and out before um, going into her trailer and having the two men that she's been banging besides the old guy which is another thing that's really weird The relationship between Roy and Antonio I don't fucking understand at all right right and um, then <laughs> Antonio here's the big spoiler Shoots her on accident, <clears throat> cries about it. Roy's great idea is we're going to go dump the body. She's not dead, so then he whacks her over the head with a tire iron. They drive her to the beach, put her in another car, and then light herself, light her on fire. Is that right. how that basically works? Yep. And then um, to just keep it going before we get the real conversation going here, they catch Roy off of the tape of... The guy that talks like this and um when the cop goes to meet antonio who they already know each other quite well because the cop goes and buys him italian books for him to read because like many italians in australia they work in chinese restaurants so um that's always good he meets him at a cemetery on a cliff overlooking the ocean and antonio thinks he's gonna get away (laughs) (laughs) And he starts running, and all you can see in the background is ocean. And the whole time, I'm, like, thinking, you got to see that big fucking piece of blue shit out in front of you. Where the fuck are you going to go, dude? Just start swimming. So he's just running and running and running, and then he's like, oh, yeah, there's the oceans right there. I should turn right. Turns right, bam, hit by a bus with a bunch of band geeks in it. And um, (laughs) he goes flying, and one shot, his shoe goes flying, and the next shot, his shoe's back on his foot, and... Uh, it was just epic. <laughs> I actually noticed that. I'm oh, my God. Of that was very fun. And then, yeah. um, like what usually happens when a bus hits somebody, everyone on the bus gets out and stands around the body, going, huh? Oh, that's that a dude. It. I think we hit that with the big fucking rectangle we were driving in. So um, it, it, it was fun. I'm sure Chris loved the ending.
4: The, the ending, um, part of the problem, well, not problem, I, I, I don't know, are we going to, th- do you want my whole thing with this? Cause, well, like, I, 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 I want to talk that about can, little
2: bits, because the problem I, don't I know have that with I this can movie separate. is the movie doesn't really do anything. The whole thing is being built up to go, <gasps> we screwed you, when you find out that all the shit going on with Enda happened in the past. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because like they're not really finding anything. Like nothing. <sighs> when you watch this movie compar- compared to other films, let's say, nothing really fucking happens. Stuff they found happens. They a dry cleaning tag. They find a dry cleaning tag, and then he fucking yells at a dog. Um, they find a one-legged man. There's steam. What the fuck is going on in here? Oh, by by the the way,
4: non-union, that,
2: we, that we dog is,
4: is dead right now. By the way.
2: I know. Doesn't that drive you crazy?
4: No. Oh, okay. you, <laughs> you mentioned problems? it. You mentioned it last time. <laughs> that one-legged man is probably dead too. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the movies we watch that are probably dead right now. So
2: yeah, yeah. I bet his leg looks worse than he does. Yeah, he, he disappeared know, into if that you fog. Where and... the leg really was. And then, like, what was that line? Like, oh yeah, it's really great to have a nephew. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All of his comebacks were so fucking. Full of it dementia. Sense. It was just like, wow. What's okay, my, sorry. Well, the
4: translation. It was English. It was English. It was written for English, I would think. So I don't know. Well, anyway. go ahead.
2: Say what you were going to say about it. And I'll no,
4: I mean, it. I've got, you know, there's lots of little things to, that we can, we can spend a lot of time on the little things of this movie because there's so many of them. But um, I hate this movie more than I did before we did it for the show and the reason why I hate it more than I did before which I didn't think I could hate it any more than I already did is because I'm starting to like the movie that's why I hate this movie because it's a bad it's it's there's a lot of really bad things in this movie that are just like cringeworthy they're so bad and yet um I've decided that it's not my least favorite giallo and I've decided that uh, I could watch it again and God forbid I should even say this out loud, but I find myself humming those terrible songs that whatever her name is... <laughs> the white Gray Slick is singing... Um, Amanda Lear, that's her name. Yeah. Uh, you know, as soon as I heard who this was and I looked her up on YouTube and to see what she looked like, I'm like, whoa. Now she's kind of a man, right? I mean...
2: No, I saw a picture and she definitely has woman parts yeah no yeah. she is I, french so
4: yeah but she's got that kind of uh, uh, yeah. thing going on but anyway um yeah so so in watching it for my website and in watching it for uh this podcast um i've watched it two more times since so so i've watched Fuck, three, that's a
2: lot of watching of this movie dude
4: i watched it three times total so far since since i've been born and uh, <laughs> in this lifetime. And I could go back to it a fourth time. I think that um, I think that it's – I always think that Cat of Ninetales is a good m- movie to rewatch because the the killer in Cat of Ninetales is so inconsequential to all the action that happens in the film that once you know who it is and go back and watch it again, you can kind of um, imagine – You know what this guy is doing uh, off camera um, to kind of move the story along even though the rest of the people in the movie and the viewer aren't paying any attention to him and that's kind of what's what this one is like but for a different way I mean obviously we know that and again the first time I watched it I didn't realize it was a you know uh, two separate timelines running concurrently that kind of come together at the end like you i I, at the beginning you know i thought you know we've got um you know just two different storylines but they're both happening in the present um and now when you watch it the second time and then the third time you you catch little things um that you know that that inform the way that the movie was put together and and that's the part of the movie that i like and i think creep, that's what you were saying
2: what I'll say about that is, is that the shit was so little. It was like, I'm gonna get a job in an export factory. Let's have sex against this locker. Like it was just so, like so few and far between.
4: But yeah, but the, know, there's a scene just... in the beginning when <clears throat> they go from a scene in the past. Um. And I think they, they, the it's the first time they introduce Antonio, and he's walking around in a completely deserted downtown Sydney for some reason, and um, sits on the park bench and eats his lunch or something, and then he's sitting with, uh, he he sits with um, Glenda, and they talk about, um, you know, her life and everything, and then I think the next scene is the scene in the Chinese restaurant, and so now. This is the scene that probably was 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 purposely put in there to confuse everybody because he's in that scene. <clears throat> like we just saw him, we were just introduced to him, but we were introduced to him in the past when Glenda was still alive. And then the next scene, he's the waiter at the restaurant and he's also the guy who and he knows the cops. yeah and the, you know and the, and the cop gives him the books and everything so that you know, you you really think that it's all happening concurrently and and not you know all you know all of this all of these timelines are moving forward at the same time because um, that's that that scene really will throw you off if you're trying to figure out what's going on and like i said i don't think that was um a coincidence i think they did that on purpose to yeah to really like fuck with uh the viewer but um you know it, it's i i don't know like i said there's so many another things thing about, about that film thing that
2: was weird on the second viewing is when she's it's like the second scene with her she's walking with um, the older dude and they're talking about Evelyn and then she has a flashback about Evelyn taking her shirt off with these yellow pajamas and she just gets in bed with her or something like that and so I feel like that whole thing was just the setup to oh so Evelyn must be The girl that was found. But at the same time, do you have a problem with a flashback having a flashback? (laughs) I was gonna say that. Flashback within a flashback. Like, why was that all cloudy, but the other (laughs) one wasn't?
4: Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty funny though. And I forgot all about the flashback within the flashback, so well
3: that was cloudy just because it was two women, so it was getting kind of steamy in
2: there. Yeah. Right. Definitely. That was just my TV. <laughs> it, it was just you breathing on the screen. You're like, right. oh, God, this is going to get good. And then it, she's like, and then I wasn't into it, so I just got up and she never did anything weird again. And you're like, oh, well, that was fucking pointless. <laughs> <laughs> no HLA in this film. No. Hey, Eric. No hot lesbian action at all. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, but yeah. So I didn't mean to cut you off because I oh I did mean to, but I feel bad for doing it now.
4: Yeah. No. That that's okay. I uh, I I don't want to run down everything that I think about the film all at once because I think you know there's there's lots of different scenes and sections that uh, that would be would be fun to go through. Definitely. I um, have a list. Oh boy. Uh, Alright, let's hear your list. Well, Eric, well, do you want to
2: share any thoughts before
4: I... Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah I'm, I'm right up there with, with Chris. Um, it's a movie that strangely, strangely enough, I found myself watching twice. This is the first film that we've done in 22 episodes that I've watched twice. I don't know if it was out of boredom or I had some extra time on my hands, but I really wanted to see what I might have missed about it the first time that didn't grab me. Um, I'm kind of jealous of People who got to see this without knowing that they were, you know, these discordant timelines. Because I actually read about the case. I don't know. I thought maybe it would help with research and understanding the film as I was going along, and it ended up basically spoiling it for me. Oh, I know, I know. Feel bad, but I was still able to enjoy it and uh, get into get into the film. There are some quirks about it. Uh, yeah, exactly. I can't walk away without humming this song. You know, I was humming it at work and and all that stuff. But uh, I thought Ray Milan was great. He won me over. I think he won the audience over with his performance. Uh, Delilah was great. She was very. Her com- character was very complex. Yes, definitely. I mean, just that that final scene with uh, or not the final scene, but the that scene towards the end with the the sweaty men. Kind of uh, humping her, and,
2: and her staring something. at the thirteen-year-old the whole time.
3: I know he was all disgusted, and her eyes were turning red, and it was just it was just hard to watch. And then that music playing in the background—this—it wasn't the Amanda Lear music; it was just this
2: kind the of his music,
3: right? And and it just very off-putting scene. It was hard to watch, and I think kind of underrated. People like to talk a lot about other exploitation films and how far they go, but um. This one I never hear about, and that was just, that was almost harder for me to watch than something like I Spit on Your Grave or something like that.
2: Well, the thing with this one is, is that she offered those guys to do that to her, and then the whole, everything of it, instead of it showing everything that's going on, were, like, kind of locked on her eyes most of the time. Right. To show, like, her, like, pain and disgust and everything like that. Yeah. So it was tastefully done for what it was.
4: And, and I and I got out of it that, you know, there were there were a couple of scenes in the film that were supposed to be sexy, um, and this wasn't one of them. I mean, they filmed it in a way that made you really feel disgusted watching it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, – I think Eric has a good point. I thought that the star of the show for this film was, was Delia or whoever played Glenda whatever you say her name. I thought that she um, – despite the fact that she suffered from poor dubbing um, – i got i got over that quickly like i you know i i'm so immune to the whole dubbing problem that i just kind of glance over it now but i thought she did uh i thought she did really well like just you know those scenes in the uh in that little crappy apartment with antonio um where they're talking about how you know she's gonna get a job as a as a cleaning woman and then get wait tables and she's um, putting
3: her feet in the toilet
4: she, she watched the bidet. Dude. The
2: bidet. Yeah. <laughs> That's just pretty fun. fucking gross, dude.
4: Did, did anybody else also notice in that scene that Antonio is eating huge mounds of spaghetti and smoking at the same time? What's wrong and with I'm, that? I'm like, aren't you supposed to. Like, who smokes and eats at the exact same time? Do you do that, Uh, uh
2: yeah. Really? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it's usually oh. when I'll have a cigarette and then the, I have the like I'll be smoking and then the food arrives or the food is served and I still have a cigarette and I'm like, "Oh, I'll do both." And then I get confused and then I'll either put the cigarette down and finish eating or finish my cigarette where, and then start.
4: Where eating. in where in this crazy planet are you sitting having dinner while you're smoking?
2: Have you never done that?
4: No, I mean like where are you allowed to do that these days? Oh, um
2: very few places in Oregon and Nevada.
4: Oh, okay. Wow. It's not California, right? My
2: kitchen. Or your I kitchen. Right. I'm gonna have a cigarette in the kitchen and have a little meal. But then I'm serving myself, so then I just kind of fucked my whole theory there. But yeah.
4: Because when well, I when I used to smoke, it used to be like, okay, I'm gonna have this meal, and then now the meal's over, I'm gonna have my cigarette. You know.
3: I think it's just because all these people are so isolated and sad and desperate. Because they're all in Australia, but none of them are Australian. So they're grasping for those pieces that make them feel like they're at home. And he's Italian, so he's going to eat spaghetti and smoke cigarettes. It right? could have
2: been chow mein. I didn't see any red sauce on that shit. That's true. Probably
4: take home from his work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's his pay. Free chow yeah. mein so hard to get good uh, linguine and clam sauce in Australia (laughs)
2: yeah the clam sauce walked out of the room (laughs) all right Um, now I saw this movie without knowing anything about it so when fucking Milan dies or Thompson or whatever when he dies I'm like, oh shit, the movie's going to be over in like five minutes. And that was totally fucking wrong. And the movie just kept going and kept going and kept going. And the girl was getting all, kept doing all this shit. And then all of a sudden she pulls the yellow pajamas out at the dinner at the country club. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute here. Uh, and that's when you, you really are like, hold the phone Something ain't stirring in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Something's wrong. And then, um, so, at first, I was pissed off. I was like, oh, fuck this shit. But then I was like, oh, that's pretty fucking clever. But then, on my second viewing of it, I was, like, noticing how <clears throat> little work. I don't want to say little work. It just, nothing in this movie was flashy, Nothing – it was like the whole thing was we're going to get a big <gasps> moment when you find out. You know what I'm saying? And it felt like the whole movie was just fucking based on that one thing. So for me, a second viewing of it, it it's almost worse. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, well, y- yeah, you find the little things, but it's almost like – they didn't want you to figure it out. It wasn't one of those things where they were, like, just feeding it to you. Like, yeah, if you pay attention, by minute 27, you'll know what the fuck's going on. They really didn't want you to know at all. So when that twist hits you, you're like, oh my god, kind of thing.
4: But Yeah, and the middle section of the movie is really dull. Uh, You know, just basically the relationships... The, um, you know, Antonio and the kid and the the older guy and Roy and that whole thing's going on. And meanwhile, uh, Thompson is going and looking for rice and then he's looking for pajamas and then they're talking to that guy in the bathtub and then they're talking to the Quint. um, Let's talk about Quint.
2: Oh, he's terrible too. And that that hottie next door. (laughs)
4: Yeah, the the girl doing the laundry. <clears throat> skirt, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
4: He was all pissed after the cops left because she wasn't there anymore. I feel his pain. I
2: it's will pain. say that <laughs> out of any one shack I've ever visited, his shack I think I'd actually want to hang out for a while. There was pinball, there was pornography. I was going to ask you what you thought about the pinball in this. There movie. was a lot of pinball in this movie, but and even the arcade was fucking tits, man. Like none of the games were really amazing games. They were just like really
4: like that was like
2: right at the end of pinball and the beginning of like actual video image games. And it was like fucking hell. Those were that was that was a rough two year period there. Like before video games started getting super fun. I mean like that the shooting game. It's like here is a picture of a deer. Can you shoot it? You did it. Excellent. <laughs> you were a foot away. You did really good. I mean, because like the video games, they had video, but they even had the, the old um, electro counters, like the spinning counters. It wasn't like a like a right. digital score would come up. It was like, wow, that uh, that was a that was a yeah. period right there. I remember those. I remember those. But. Um, Yeah, if I had more time, I would have gone clue crazy and trying to find out what all those games were, because that was a lot of fun. The pinball game had a bicycling theme. Not one of my favorite themes for pinball, but um, it did have that. It wasn't Paperboy? No. (laughs) It was more like Tour de France kind of thing. But um, yeah, so um, for those of you listening to the show right now, um, you're probably wondering what the fuck are you listening to? Now, if you didn't notice in this movie, there really is almost like no music in this film. Like the only time they play music is when she's going through some shit or Antonio is walking and looking at the sights, and or children playing organized sports. It was very odd.
4: Yeah, it was almost like a a a tourism, an Australian tourism video. (laughs) Totally, where Antonio would walk through and the 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 old women playing bocce ball. Yeah, or lawn bowling, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he. Yeah, here are Um, some
2: thick young women playing field hockey. (laughs) You know, like it was weird. So basically, what we're listening to underneath, I I am putting together a thing of a Mandalier hits plus what? Riz Ortolani. Is that how you say his last name? Sounds good. Songs that he did from various films. So There's, a, um,
4: there's one musical track, and I don't know if you can get it to put under the podcast, but it's um, it's that soundtrack that they played a couple of times. They play it at the very end when all the music, the band geeks are standing over is it um, the song? Yeah, it's with the harmonica. Yeah, and it sounds nice. almost like a western. Mm-hmm. It definitely reminds me of a western.
2: I'm gonna try to find it, but um, I couldn't. The cross between it. a
4: western and like a sad moment on The Brady Bunch.
2: Yeah, and it's the same music that is playing right when she's like falling in love with Antonio and stuff like that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I'm a fan of the uh the jazzy synth score. Yeah, dude. This yeah, that's is, like that's Shaft.
2: Probably.
3: Yep. I think that's the one they played over the, the prostitute scene, the group sex scene. So that kind of makes it sad for me. Right. That's okay. That's okay, pal.
2: He'll be all right. I don't know. He'll he's brought right. it up twice already. I think he's pretty scarred. <laughs> um, another fun thing I like to do when watching these movies with friends or random strangers um, is a little game that I usually play in the car called Slugbug. Slug Bug. Which is where you see a Volkswagen bug and you punch the person next to you if you see it before they do. And you usually call out the color, so it's like Slug Bug Blue, and then you punch someone and then you gotta wipe it. Because if you don't wipe it, then they'll punch you back for not wiping. Do you guys play this game?
4: Yeah, a, a, a mutated version of that. Yeah, me and my daughter have a lot of fun
2: watching The Shining because... The first fucking 40 minutes of that movie take place in a yellow fucking Volkswagen. So we beat the <laughs> shit out of each other during that. But um, so like there's in the not beginning. Many FIATs in this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, there's not. And that's FIAT facepalm. That's something else we do. Okay. Um, you have to smack someone in the forehead. Um, and then there's Mini Cooper, Cooper, Scooper, Super Trooper, Winnie Cooper. When you see a Mini Cooper. That's a good one. You punch them, and then they have to pick up the dog shit the rest of the day on top of it. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and then there's Mustang Menace, which is three hits, no wipe. Um, there's all sorts of fun games me and my daughter play that involve beating the shit out of one another. So, What, what does um, Winnie Cooper have to do with the Mini Cooper? Nothing. It was just a bunch of words that rhymed with Mini Cooper, oh. so it would be harder to say, because there are so many fucking Mini Coopers in my neighborhood that if you... We're punching someone for mini coopers you would be beating the crap out of each other like constantly so you you have a yeah you have a long thing to say and it's usually hard to say so if you can't say it right you don't get to hit somebody so it's mini cooper cooper scooper super trooper mini cooper (laughs) (laughs) Uh. yeah so that's fun and so in the beginning of this movie when they're on the bridge when the ambulance goes by they're behind a light blue slug bug so I like to point that out Um, another fun thing when um, Gilda and Antonio walked out of the movie theater they were walking out of a theater where Silver Streak with Gene Wilder was playing Um, that movie's a lot of fun it has Richard Pryor in it too um, those fun pairings. It was released in America in 1979 in December, but it didn't come out until Australia until April of 77. Or wait, no, I wrote those backwards. But yeah, you see what I'm saying here. So basically, this movie also came out in 77. It came out in December 76, actually, in America, and April 77 in Australia. So this movie came out pajama girl case came out in 77 so the shoot of this movie the edit and all that stuff getting the movie out happened fairly quickly I like looking at signs I also know that in the motley crew video girl don't go away mad just go away Vince Neil is standing in front of a bus stop with a billboard for crazy people hmm. if you remember that crap movie those are the things that I remember when I watch stuff <laughs> so yeah um, so that's good. Um, the opening scene scared the shit out of me every time like both times I watch this movie, when the girl's sitting there talking about fucking, I'm gonna get my haircut somewhere else now, And then the hand falls down. like you know something bad's gonna happen both times you whenever you see a little girl with a doll sitting next to a car wreck, you know something isn't good, right? And when that hand falls, dude, I fucking jump both times watching this. So if you haven't watched it yet, be prepared because you're about to jump.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing about this film that kind of throws you off because it's such a great opening. The, the imagery of those two cars piled on each other on the beach is off-putting. Um, and how but the hell did
2: Quentin good. do that? Yeah, I don't
3: know. He's like bored.
2: <laughs> I, I stack <laughs> cars. That's what I do.
4: <laughs> he's got a lot to do when he's not looking he's at women hanging clothes. He must have drove one on top of the other and just left it that way or something
3: yeah. it's just such a great imagery and then it being on the beach and then the uh, you know the kids playing and the girl walking through it's just i i agree with you both times it was like you're waiting for that hand to drop literally and it, then when a, it does it's it, a
2: really good edit like that it happens because a lot of times things like that it, like it's supposed to be a jump scare and it doesn't work that totally worked for some reason yeah,
3: right. Something about that sting of the music too. It's like you said that it happens a lot in films, but that particular sting of Ortolanis was pretty good.
2: And it's um, funny because have... then you don't have anything like that again.
3: Right, exactly. That's what I was about at to. At all,
2: it's kind of like the buy... whole Jaws thing, like how they kept they they took out some scary parts in the beginning because they knew they were only going to get one jump. So they saved it for the head in the boat underwater with Richard Dreyfuss dropping the tooth. Yeah, you know.
3: Um, yeah, it was. It was just not a lot of that. Those stylistic shots. Um, the director of this film didn't do a whole lot of directing. He was more of an art director, and there wasn't a lot of that art direction that you could really see in the film. I know you, well, you mentioned that there wasn't fire. a lot of. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of flashy, you know, clothing or or props or sets or anything like that. It was just kind of kind of bland the whole way through, and I think that's what made this feel like it dragged on because it was like, okay. We're in the middle, you know. The the characters that have been developed. We're slogging through the plot, right? But at least films that do that have something to look at. while here. And you're...
2: then another reason why this movie is so slow is because every fucking scene almost has someone walking somewhere. Yeah. Like there is a shit ton of walking. Like if they had pedometers on these motherfuckers, it would have been off the charts. <laughs> yeah. it would have been really. Yeah, good. If they had Fitbits. Oh, Fitbits imagine that sounds like good times did you guys notice the plethora of white pants in this movie no there was a lot of white pants i'm seeing it now yes like a lot and after labor day well we don't know when this was shot there's no labor day in and there might not because australia is a penal colony right exactly okay sorry for our australian listeners that was a joke um, no one laughed, though, so it wasn't very funny. Um, <laughs> but even the the big dude with the cowboy hat and the toothpick, whose awesome pickup line. <laughs> I, I got to start using this just for no reason anywhere to talk to anybody. Um, he goes up to the girl and he's like, don't you want a steak? It's good for your red corpuscles. Oh. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, let's go pay for my shit. We're out of here. Yeah. That worked for that guy. So it that That is a bona fide hit when it comes to chatting girls up, guys. Red Corpuscles. You have to remember that for next time. Yeah. I also really like the computers in the police department with their cool little green screens. It, I don't know what it is. When I see shit like that, I just, like, it's... Not really nostalgia, because I've never been in a room with a bunch of weird little computers with green screens. But I just go, oh. And like there was so much wood paneling in this movie. It was just like fucking snuggling up at your grandma's house. It was just. Yeah, the the restaurant where he's. The he's restaurant, the, the window station. It just like so much wood paneling was in this. Yeah. I enjoyed that a great deal. Too many bird cages. I'm going to go out on a limb there. Um, way too many bird cages, way too many birds, um, a lot of shooting through bird cages. <laughs> I don't like bird cages at because the... there's a ton of bird shit in them. So that oh. irritates me and kind of freaks me out. But what were you going to say?
3: I was going to ask if, if you were upset at, the, uh,
2: at how much they switched J&B for Fosters. <laughs> I did like the fact that the Italian guy, while eating his maybe spaghetti, was australian enough to have a big fat can of fosters there yeah i thought that was kind of cool it was very in the in this. the moment yeah australian for beer mate <laughs> um, i've been working on that all week you did good i uh, <laughs> see oh another thing that i thought was really shitty that the cops did they went and arrested everyone who lived near where the girl's body was found if that was standard procedure, like, that, that's just ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing. Like, who <laughs> the fuck would hide a body in their front yard or in their backyard? Like, that's just ridiculous. And that cop was such a skeez. He's like, yeah, this case is close. I arrested everyone in the neighborhood. I'm very very good at my job. I'm going to go on
3: vacation in my Jaguar. Oh.
2: Yeah." I mean,
3: that's a that's a good point you bring that up. But that's, I think, I don't know, maybe being over the top by the script writers or the directors. But because of this, this case is so shrouded in, you know, bungles by the police and, and cover-ups and things like that. I think, I don't know if that was supposed to be some kind of a commentary. I mean, the fact that they basically got, were trying to force a confession out of Quint so that he could go on vacation. I mean, they were really trying to highlight how...
2: Well, uh, that's another thing, too, because this is kind of based on a true story. Yeah. So you have to think, like, how much of the shit, like, actually went down like that. Like, um, so... It's pretty faithful from what I hear, but I don't know. Let, let's talk about the true story real quick. Throw it out there, guys. All right. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> we could talk about that. It was... Took place in 1934 in Australia. the uh, The victims were actually or the victim's name was Linda, and uh, at least that's what they thought. Uh, she was a party girl, a purveyor of men, even after her marriage to a man named Antonio. And uh, just like the body, or like the film, the the body was preserved and put up for public exhibition to try and identify her. So that wasn't too out there or far fetched, right? But uh, in the in the case of the real life. murder it actually was 10 years until uh, they were able to get antonio to confess though uh, some now believe that this was under dubious distinctions Uh, more recently i think uh, i read that a historian believes that she was linda was actually misidentified herself uh, all along and that the melbourne police who had lost the confidence of their people and of the city back in the 30s and 40s uh, just tried to tie up the case to kind of win back their confidence uh, and that the girl still is sort of unidentified because I guess her uh, some other features like her bust size and her nose were different than uh, Linda's uh, even though they matched dental records apparently but that could just have been a lie who knows so there's a lot of like I said kind of corruption
2: and cover-ups going on with this case which is interesting well if anything Australia is known for it's their corrupt police force. Is that so? No, I this is the first I've heard of it. So. Yeah, it was making a joke there. It was. A, <laughs> I got it.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was apparently a thing back in the 30s and 40s <laughs> that the Melbourne police were
2: not really thought highly of of their citizenry. Which is probably why they had to shoot this in Sydney, so they wouldn't get shot by the crooked cops of Melbourne.
3: Oh. Yeah, kids don't go to Melbourne if you're going on vacation. Have you been there, Eric? No. I was going to go to Cairn on on, a hun- on our honeymoon, but then I got scared off by the Great Barrier Reef. Huh. Apparently, there's about 400 things that can kill you in that area of Australia alone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going don't, there don't Don't look up those slideshows online. They're scary. Ugh. <laughs> All the different... Beasts land and sea that can get you. Australia
2: is a scary place. Let's not even bring up Steve Irwin. No, let's not. No. Please not. It's too soon. Too soon. Chris, what did you find about the true life case?
4: Uh, well, nothing more than that, really. I mean, I I think that uh, what was really funny, uh, for me, was that the first time I had watched the film I didn't know it was a true based on a true story and when we were talking about this film in previous um, episodes of the podcast um, I always thought about how that one scene where they took the naked body and put it in a glass box and um, put it on display for the whole town to kind of come and peruse that that was ridiculous I said, there's no way that that would really happen. Um, No police force would ever dare to do that. And then I found out that that's exactly what they did. Um, And it just seems like, um, excuse me, they had, uh, it, it just seems like a very strange way of doing things. And I guess you're talking about Australia, you're talking about 1930s. And, you know, in in modern day America, if a body is found somewhere, they just say, oh, it's an unidentified dead body. And then they bury it. Um, And most of the time, there's not a lot of work that's done to try to identify who it is. I I mean, mean, they'll take a lot of pictures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and of course, depending on which what, what part of the country it is, we, you know, if a dead body is found and it's in the inner city, you know, they don't really care that, you know, the cops don't really care that much. The public doesn't care that much if it's, you know, a dead body that's found in, you know, a prestigious area uh, where rich people live, then it's a different story. But in this particular case, it seemed like the entire continent of Australia uh, and, you know, I'm reading that into it, I guess, um, was interested in this unidentified dead body and to the point where they weren't going to bury it or her and they weren't going to do anything until everybody got a chance to see who it was. And, um, you know, they just took every bit of, seems like they took every, uh, bit of resources away from everything else just for this one particular murder. And it just seemed unrealistic. And then you know, again, you know, you go back and read, um, that that's how they, you know, that's exactly what happened. So, um,
2: were any of you shocked that no one blamed Dingo for this? Which one's Dingo now? I can't keep Dingo? track of the... The old guy? Could... No, Dingo. Like, a Dingo ate my baby? Never mind, it was a bad, bad uh, Australian. Man, you're striking out. Whoa, bad, big time. Maybe <laughs> but, the Dingo ate your baby. But my favorite bit of that was
4: Eric's like, now which one was Dingo again?
2: <laughs> I, life 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 life?
4: Too. <laughs> I thought we actually named one of them a Dingo. <laughs> See, that's, that's the good part about having a mic that doesn't always pick up, because I said the same thing. Um, no, but no, seriously, I, I think out, that's...
2: Of, out of all the movies that have been, all the movies that we've covered, this is definitely not one I would have assumed was based on a true story. Yeah. For that exact reason, so, yeah.
3: I think that's the problem of adapting a film in 1977 that uh, of a case that took place in the 30s, because yeah, a lot of it is going to not make sense in a modern setting Uh, i i think maybe in 1934 there probably weren't a lot of murders even in the entire continent of australia so maybe it was sensational
2: Um, and was the body burned as well
3: it was it was slightly burned um not to the unrecognizability of of her face in this one at, at least that's what i read but uh yeah it had been she had been shot and then burned um, but yeah, and at the same time, I don't think that in 1977, putting a body on display in a glass case is how they would have done it, like they might have in the 30s, uh, when they didn't really have, you know, the forensic science that they did uh, in more modern times. But I think that outside of the, the opening scene with the cars stacked on each other in the beach, this is one of the standout uh, artistic displays of the film. As goofy as it is and unrealistic, I think... Uh, Seeing those people kind of parading in, and their faces are kind of all blurred and and melding together uh, through the glass, and then when they yeah. they pan back and show the body laying on her side, it's such an iconic image of this this film that that's actually all you really see when you look up yeah. look up this film, and and I really actually, as pervy as it sounds, I did kind of enjoy. I mean, I saw it more as like an artistic piece. From behind, it was so you know such a beautiful woman, sure you womanly did. shape. <laughs> and then you realize <laughs> what, the, what they're
2: actually looking at. Were know. any of you shocked at how clean her feet were for someone who had been burned? Yeah yeah that's
3: I don't know if they, they cleaned her up or what but yeah, that's what I mean like from from the back it's like this artistic model you know or like a statue and then from the front it's like all scarred and burned and disfigured.
4: Not to mention her ass crack.
2: There is an oh, ass crap yeah.
4: <laughs> there. The one
2: thing that really cheeses me off when I see girls with no clothes on is if they got dirty ass feet. That really gets under my stuff there. So they did okay. Cleaning her feet.
4: off. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, you know, obviously, um, what what was the outcome of the of the true case? Did they ever really? I, I think you had already mentioned it, Eric. But they was there really any real conclusion as to you know who the killer was, um, or was there still some speculation about you know maybe they had forced a confession or um, you know they didn't have all the evidence that they needed. Yeah, they um,
3: they basically well, from what I heard is. Uh, Antonio was talking in confidence with a friend and he seemed all out of sorts, the real Antonio. And this was like 10 years after the body had been found. And he finally just said, you know, it's been weighing on my mind this whole time I killed her. I just need to get it out there. And and that's that's the story that was fed to the, the public, that he just kind of came out on his own and confessed and that they arrested him. And he ended up only getting charged or uh, getting convicted with manslaughter. Uh, I guess they found out that it was an accidental shooting and that he was scared to be convicted and, and burn the body. Um, so he only got off with manslaughter and was able to live out the rest of his life and as a free man. But uh, I think that was maybe a trade-off. I think people were saying that that was a trade-off to, like you know... a plea bargain kind of thing. Yeah, to get a but. name attached to this crime so that the people would stop thinking that they were so yeah. defunct as a police force. <sighs>
4: got it yeah because i mean you know obviously certain um certain things needed to be improvised and and uh, embellished with regard to making the film so um you know it's it's not like it was a true adaptation obviously right
3: i think it they did still kind of mention that like years had passed didn't they throughout the course of this film at least in those flashbacks between Enda and Antonio, they had, like, been married for two years at one point.
2: Yeah, and then, like... Yeah, that that's the other thing that was that it was really weird watching it. Because they hadn't aged at all or anything? Well, no, no, just that the police part of the film seemed to have lasted, like, a couple weeks, tops. Oh, right, right. And then everything else that was going on seemed to be going, like you were saying, a couple years or something like that. Yeah. Right. It was, it was really... Bizarre. She mentioned they'd been married for two years, and she was
3: pregnant. Didn't want the kid. She didn't know whose kid it was.
4: Because she was a whore. Did she had? You said Eric that she had had a miscarriage, but I, I was thinking that she went and got the pregnancy terminated. But I don't know. Yeah,
3: yeah, I think she did. She did terminate the the pregnancy because she well, she was trying to tell different people who that it was theirs or wasn't theirs and yeah poor girl
4: one of my one of my favorite scenes in the film is um when Antonio and uh and and Linda are fighting outside the uh Sydney what is that the concert hall um yeah opera hall and uh he says something about uh that she's a whore and she has a bastard child and he wants to drown it and she runs off crying and then he shows up with an ice cream cone and she's like yeah she looks down at the ice cream cone and i couldn't help but think it was like sort of a phallic thing like here's this kind of limp ice cream cone that i'm going to shove in your face and she looks down at it and then she looks at him and she's kind of like well okay it's not exactly the big rock hard thing that i want but Oh my. I'll take the ice cream cone. Well, you the know, thing I...
2: that makes that even worse is that he bought the ice cream cone from an ice cream truck that had a sign
4: on the side of it that said, King Size Hot Dogs. <laughs> <You're> right, exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. King Size Hot Dogs. That's right. I'm going
2: to get some soft serve instead.
4: <laughs> Shove it up
2: all over her face.
4: I mean, maybe, you know, we live in this hypersensitive, aware of metaphors and sexual overtones. You know, uh, age, but I think that that was probably done on her.
2: Hmm. Eric, eating, what do you think? Are you eating a king
3: size hot dog over there, creep?
2: <laughs> I am a king size hot dog wow. right over here, and I'm smoking at the same time That's and drinking so a cup of walk and
3: a diet coke at the same time.
2: I can multitask.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely that scene caught me off guard too. Just how easily he was able to to pass over everything he had just said to her but i just took it as he's being a hot-tempered italian and and she's forgiving him easily she had kind of a weird relationship with each man it was like really
2: weird like yeah. with
3: uh, roy the german guy she's like she didn't want him to touch her ever and thought that he was you know a sex maniac and was always kind of afraid to do anything with him whereas the the old but she always did she but she did yeah. i mean she had, yeah, she still did, but she she seemed more creeped out by him than she, than the old professor who she was laughing at, hiding her underwear. and.
2: That was another that thing. Stuff. If I was this chick, I'd just keep an eye on my underwear. Like, she was really losing panties a lot. She's always losing them, yep. She should just not wear them. Yeah. Although the one day she couldn't find him, she was wearing white pants. And I'm sure she was thinking to herself... I need another layer of protection here in case something <laughs> happens. If I can't make it to the bathroom on time or something, or if I laugh too hard or sneeze, <laughs> so um, I, I could understand why she was freaking out that day. Yeah, those were tight pants.
0: Yeah, all right. So yeah.
3: All the yeah. I mean, like I said before, she's a very complex character. She had her different personalities with the different men, um, but.
2: I just... I don't know.
3: I I just thought she was a very sympathetic character.
2: And you know what bothered me the most? We never once saw her dancing. She did not. Uh, yeah, that's a little false advertisement right there.
3: If I could bring up something that I noticed symbolically, like you guys did with the, the hot dog and the ice cream. <laughs> uh, we were talking about <laughs> pinball machines earlier. And I thought it was kind of a clever um, juxtaposition, if I could use Ooh. words with lots of syllables. Do it. To uh, to put up the pinball machine playing right when she's kind of dealing with these crises of these all these different men and uh, feeling like she's being bounced around by them. Like she's a pinball in a game of pinball. Wow. Yeah, I think that was right before she the gangbang scene, so
4: Yeah it was. Right. She's, she's just yeah. bouncing off. You know, she's just bouncing off all the men, she all really the all the different things in her life. She's just, she's not in control at all. She's just physically,
3: uh, emotionally, yeah. But the
2: plus side, look at all the points she's scoring.
3: She is getting a lot right. of points. Yeah. So that's where I come away with this film. Linda's a pinball.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Weird weird choices overall though. Dub the dubbing choices. I think they even dubbed the dog. I felt like the barks didn't match the mouth movements. It was going
2: <laughs> Rough Rough Bark 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 It's <laughs> like Shut up you. Jesus Christ, <laughs> flea bag barking up a storm in here. Right. <laughs> His dialogue was just so ridiculous. And the, if you notice at the end of every scene, he says something fucking stupid. The best is when he actually goes to the arcade and um, he's like, like, hey, you saw the body, right? And the guy's like, no, no, don't stop. I don't want to mess up a good shot when I see one. <laughs> right? He's like, what the fuck I like are to you watch talking good about? Shooting. And then, check this out. Like He was like, when he was in... Quint's place he was like totally getting super close up to this like fur box picture and he's all looking at it and then the cop's like did you want to stay here any longer he's like
4: why would I want to do that (laughs) yeah and 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 his dubbing was awful like it would it would pause in the middle of sentences where it there shouldn't have been pausing there was a lot of that there was dude (laughs) I think that we could say that I was with the Pajama Girl Killer <laughs> that night. You know, it, it, it was like I don't know where rice, they. What
2: are you talking, <laughs> talking about, Rice? <laughs> oh oh my god! The
3: rice. And sadly, I don't think this—at least from what I understand—this film doesn't have like an Italian track with with English subtitles. It's just. It's only the dub.
2: I love... Like, this is going to sound stupid, but I love that dubbing. Like, it makes... Like, if this movie would have been perfect, I probably would not have enjoyed this movie out. But, like, you it's throw... It almost in this, boring. Oh, my God. You put in this ridiculous dubbing, <laughs> and it was just like... Right. Oh, man. Oh, great. You got a nephew. That's perfect. <laughs> just... Yeah, the only time I
3: don't like it is when it does kind of take away from the performance because I really did think that Delilah and even the guy who played Antonio were really good in this movie and uh, the dubbing just kind of sadly took, a, took it a little away from them, I guess. I mean, Antonio, at the end, I mean, I, I was saying that Linda was, was a sympathetic character but poor Antonio, you know, he says at the end he's just a poor immigrant. What's How's he going to, you know, be able to... He his case. He should have
2: thought about that before putting a hole in his wife.
3: It was hmm. an accident. We weren't there. We didn't see what happened behind closed doors.
2: Well, the door to the thing was open. We were just hanging out with Roy when it happened. That's true. Yeah. And his blue eyes. That were ridiculously blue. Am I right? Were those like yeah, I don't
3: remember top? them being that blue in his other movies that no. we've seen him in. I mean, they
2: usually they were he had in the big
3: glasses, but
4: those were super blue. Yeah. <laughs> why is an Italian and a German, why would they necessarily be just kind of living in Australia? And, you know, it's not like, like that one guy who said that, you know, he married that, that woman so that he could get his papers or something. And by the way, uh, totally just to throw off my own train of thought, that guy, the guy in the bathtub, he was in, I think an Argento movie, but he was in
2: four flies and he was in, um, should I wrote it down and and he was in Cat of Nine
4: What was he in Four Flies? Four Flies
2: remember. he was the guy the when the Bobby she- Brady went and got the <laughs> detective guy, the detective guy went and questioned him because that was like one of his like connections on the street.
4: The guy, oh, they went into the house. Yeah. The guy, yeah, right, okay. And then
2: in Cat of Nine Tales, he was, I think he worked at the newspaper or something. Oh,
4: yes, yes. The guy who always yeah. had the recipes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. And every movie he's in, he plays the most weird character. It's like every time it's like, we're going to start the scene. You're just going to be
4: talking about whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Let's just hit it. I love that guy. He's great. Do you like mustard? No, no, no. It gives me heartburn. <laughs> a dash of mustard. He gets all excited about the mustard.
3: Put a little mustard on that mustard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like totally hitting on Thompson. Do you want to come sit here next to me? Yeah. He's like, no, I, I like this chair. It's got a light. I'm going to turn it on right now see a light <laughs>
4: oh my god So,
2: but I was going to bring this up when we were talking about the glass case I really liked how they had all the people that he had been out questioning like walking by to like in the crowd like all the awesome bearded long haired lunatics that he had been talking to and all the different factories they were there looking Um, it just kind of at that point it adds to the ooh I wonder who it could be and then there's this like creepy I'm gonna get underneath it and look up yeah those guys were see what I could see on the bottom
3: (laughs) they didn't Uh, understand the whole point of that
4: I did like the idea that um, the the the, the Your Yellow Pajama song is so popular that they're listening to, like, an <laughs> instrumental version on the radio, like, when the phone call comes in. It was in and turns like, on the radio. What was all that about? He, like, was living somewhere and was he was just babysitting his orchids. And then he's brought into some sort of, like, sweatshop or something. Like, what were they doing in there?
3: Yeah, I still haven't figured out what that's all about. I don't know who the little girl is supposed to be, like why she has all those different notes or the information
2: for the cops and stuff. Because he said, if anything ever happens to me, make sure you duct tape this envelope to the highest lamp in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good stuff. (laughs) <laughs> great stuff yeah. so I don't know long story short this movie isn't amazing but it's probably not the worst thing in the world right. as you yeah. heard we've all watched it multiple times so. I am probably not going to view this for some time now yeah I think I could come right out and say that yeah I Just agree pause. Yeah. Well, um, on more of the production side of things, we have, um, this movie had, it was called something about fucking yellow pajamas, wherever the fuck it was made or wherever it was released. But in Germany, it was originally released as blood payday. Oh, so much blood in this movie. Yeah. And, and the payday for it, you know, um, It makes me think of the payday candy bar covered in blood. (laughs) That's disgusting. Um, But then, when it was released on German TV, it was released as "The Woman Second Hand." Okay. And then she was a whore. The final, (laughs) the final German release title of this is "A Man Against the Mafia." Now, this is where Chris and Eric are going to say, Your Google Translate sucks. You got to quit using that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get the paid. But paid I'm stuff. telling you, dude, like, that's. Those just are titles, man. Those are
4: titles, man. I mean,
2: even if you mixed them up, the secondhand woman, that could have been what it was called, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but I just don't get a man against the mafia. I don't understand that at all.
3: I don't either. I'm still trying to figure it out. Inspector Thompson against the mafioso police force, getting paid off. I don't know.
4: Yeah, I yeah, there's, there's a, that's a stretch. I think.
3: Did they have like weird cuts where it was more like? Like, it was more focused on the police procedural of it,
2: maybe? Well, I would think that this movie could have got cut down for TV, for sure. Right. But, um, I don't know. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find, uh, the, uh... Where we did the voting and stuff. I just had it here. Okay, so... We are going to announce... The next film we are going to do here, I guess, now. Unless I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I think we
3: mentioned different cast members of this one. So, And you've seen them all before, so we don't have to keep talking about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is there any production notes you guys have? This was shot in Sydney... Sydney. Oh, my God. Sydney, Australia and um, some
4: pickups in Rome. There you go. Wallaby Way. What? <laughs> what was the thing from Nemo P Sherman 42 Wallaby Way Sydney? Oh my gosh, yes, the
2: address. <laughs> you got to you got to hit this the Gulf Stream or something, right?
4: The uh, the 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 EAC, Yeah. The East Australian Current. Yeah, yeah, there
2: you go. Yeah, you got you to gotta hit that. Alright, <clears throat> so, um, the next movie, with a whopping seven votes. No, more than that. Less 10, 11, eight, right? 8, 10, 11 votes, is Slaughter Hotel, aka hey. Asylum Erotica, aka Cold Blooded Fucking Hands of Death or something. What's it called? (laughs) Cold-Blooded Beast. Cold-Blooded Beast.
4: And and I have to admit, and, you know, I'll remind everyone on the next podcast, but I have to admit that uh, whenever I watch this film or whenever I think about that title, I think of that stupid Paula Abdul song. Cold-hearted snake, girl, look yeah. into his eyes.
2: Yeah, that one. Uh-oh, <laughs> he's been telling lies. He's a lover for your play. Girl, he don't play by rules. Uh-oh, uh-oh, girl, don't play the fool now. You're the one giving up your love every time he needs it.
4: <laughs> I'll stop there. Um, I, I didn't go that far ever. Yeah. I don't know all those words.
2: Yeah, for some reason... I know every word to every single that came off that album. And I am assuming it was because of the abundance of MTV I watched during that time. With Dial MTV with Adam Curry. And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah,
4: She was all over MTV. Oh, all over.
2: Um, And then, um, because Chris decided to vote at the last minute, Frenzy will be... The following that slaughter hotel with my dear killer and a very very close third Whew. Whew.
3: that's right I believe that vote came down to the wire yes I think during the recording of this podcast I don't I know believe it who was. came in at the end well I just said it was to... Chris oh
2: yeah <laughs> yeah I was trying to hide that well I fucked that up but now I'm gonna be singing Paul Abdul songs all fucking night thanks to Chris. So right. you're gonna be Will you be playing it underneath the show
0: next time? <clears>
2: hmm. <throat> I don't know. I did notice that on the episode of Wrestling with Friends I did with you guys a few episodes ago, you ended the show with Katy Perry, you bastard. And now, I'm noticing how much of a Katy Perry fan I am. And that's very troubling to me. Yeah. Right. It should be. Yeah. It is. Well, she's so, great to look at.
4: I'll oh, uh-huh. be some uh, she's Katy Perry and
2: Paula Abdul. super catchy. Because I don't yeah. really think Katy Perry could sing. I just think she screams at different levels. Yeah. But, um, good, good stuff. Good fun stuff here. So, um... I don't know. I guess that's it. I guess uh, I'll be playing some sort of <clears throat> trailer from Slaughter Hotel coming right. up here in a minute. And that's that.
3: Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out on the Facebook group. Uh yeah, all our new, sure. new members chiming in and talking. It's nice to see some fun little pictures of uh,
2: dolls getting beheaded. <laughs> and um Al posted a really cool um article about um American I think it was American films that were inspired by Jalos is that Mm -hmm. what it was called that That was a really cool article I like that a lot so yeah a lot of good stuff happening over there um feel free to contact us if you want if you have anything to say or anything like that um, either on the group or go to the jallochowchow.com and find the contact thing Figure that out. I would make it easier, but I just really keep forgetting so
4: and uh, Keep your eyes on jalloscore.com. I'm uh, Adding more and more to the site to every day. I just did a, a revamp of the uh, of the homepage. Um, so the layouts a little bit different and I did add uh, a section for this podcast so um, you can get to if you happen to be on com and you don't feel like an extra click uh, you can listen to the latest podcast episode from my site Ooh. Uh, and I'll be updating it as soon as you know a new one's available so um, but we're getting close we're at 37 films I'm thinking that when we get to 40. Uh, I'm gonna start thinking about doing some data, uh, aggregate data, and and seeing what kind of weird geeky things I can pull out of um, the data that we already have. So oh, I'm far. sure
2: you can find some good shit there. You should have a white meter. Oh yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh. Well that yeah that maybe that'll be a, a new score yeah. scoring criteria.
2: If if you actually. Type in the URL slash pose You will find a nice picture of Chris in a bubble bath. So. Wait,
4: let me try that. Ah, <laughs> oh, it didn't work. Damn it! I so. will say though, I will say though that I think uh, it's it's very impressive that if you just search Google for Jallo uh, the fifth hit is this podcast. Really? Yep.
2: That's so very amazing. amazing.
4: So you got Jallo, the Wikipedia article. You have the film version of the Wikipedia article. You have the 2009 Argento film from IMDb. Then, for some reason, the do-it-yourself Jallo generator, which is the thing that inspired my website in the first oh, that's place. Cool. Then below that is our is the podcast page. Now, something makes me want to say that maybe these results are geared for me. Maybe. Uh, you know Google's a lot smarter than I am and it's just a, a, a web page so I don't know yeah when I
2: type when I type Jallow in um, hair porn came up number two I don't know what that, <laughs> that even is. very is. much right like, geared towards you and your pube fascination
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: um, by the way if anyone cares I finished my vampire book. Uh, Black Market Blood Drive. That's what the editor right now. is very happy about that. And then I finished Zombie Epsilon, the second book in the Zombie Alpha series. And if you want to hear about the stupid thing I did in March, you could go read my blog at Creeperson.com and read all about that crap shit. Um, and then <laughs> I'm actually doing Relapse of the Crystal Pubis right now, which is Shallow Shallow Part 2. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. So that what was a bunch that? of plug plugging might as well call me the tampon. Because um, I could plug a hole. You better be careful it. what you yeah. wish for. Yeah. Might like get toxic shock syndrome. But um, <laughs> we should <laughs> probably end this before I say more things bad. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. <laughs> so that's it. So um, We did it. We did it! Yay! Pajama right. Girl. So ciao ciao everybody. All Time right, to go pa- put on pa- pa- my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I... Okay, real oh. quick. What what color are your pajamas? Beige. Chris.
4: The yellow pajamas. The thing that you wear. <laughs> and the perfume in your hair that's awesome that a boner. the yeah. man that you really wanted minor flesh and hair color have we stopped yet okay
2: that's it ciao ciao bye everybody
4: bye
3: ciao ciao